Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at bluenile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds. And they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hawksby and Jacobs Daily World Cup Podcast from TalkSport. TalkSport. Hello and welcome to another edition of our World Cup podcast back home with me, Paul Hawksby. And me, Andy Jacobson, on another ridiculously dramatic day at the tournament. We'll reflect on how South Korea and the ref made Luis Suarez cry. Quiet. We'll discuss discuss the shock win for Cameroon over favourites Brazil and how Switzerland and Serbia tried to keep politics out of football and failed. Plus, we'll be joined by Aussie international defender turned talkie coach Aaron Downs ahead of their game against Argentina tomorrow. We'll chat to African football expert Kwaku Afari and we'll wonder just how big a miss Karen Bennett has been in Qatar. All right. Well, that's intrigued you, isn't it, Andy? <laughs> Who's Karen Bennett? Well, you'll find out in a minute. Okay. Keep, you'll have to keep listening, <laughs> yeah. won't you? Good. Well, uh, yeah, again, fresh from this evening's games. I uh, started off with brazil Cameroon, but after about 35, 40 minutes, I realised I was watching the wrong game. Uh, brazil B weren't up to much. No, I went with uh, Serbia-Switzerland, yeah. which was a good decision. Yeah. And uh, I didn't think there was much on the other game. So, you know, I thought that this this was the game to watch. And it was exciting. It was. It was. I don't know if you noticed, though, I said to John just before we started, the third goal for for uh, Switzerland, which was a lovely goal, actually, team yeah. goal, the, the commentary was ahead of the pictures. It was. I wrote that down. It was, I, I, I was thinking the commentator's a real sage. You can spot that. He's, a, oh, he's obviously a striker. He plays as a striker because he, he called the finish. But then after that, it was in sync again because I was looking for it to... Uh, but yeah, it was. Uh, it was. I mean, they say they're trying to keep politics out of football, as we know in the previous World Cup. Look, um, we had uh, issues, didn't we, where Jacka and Shakiri uh, were both um, making their feelings known from a political point of view around uh, Kosovo to the Serbian players. And um, I mean, did you see? It was a beautiful uh, crotch uh, grab by um, by Jacka when it was all going off. Crotchich. Uh, yeah, Crotchich. Yeah, that's right. It was uh he could play it. They were getting they yeah, they tried to keep politics out of it, but there's a real edge to it. Um, yeah, well but it was, know. I mean, look, it was it, it 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 was spiky for that reason and it was good. But isn't Mbolo a good player? I mean, it's been yeah. a lot of talk about him over the years, and he played in Germany, he's at Monaco now, isn't he? I like it. Yeah. Yeah. It's a sort of player that you think would do very well in the Premier League, but I know clubs have looked at him for years, but uh, yeah, very good. Like so yeah, we G- chose oh, the right game. Did you see what happened to Abubakar though? He and we'll talk to Quaker about this. 
took his shirt off, having been already booked oh, and yeah, sent yeah. off. I mean, very, it, very funny, wasn't it, it was the end of his World Cup. He didn't <laughs> care, but no. what a mad thing to do. It was mad because if Serbia had scored, they were through. So, you know, yeah. it was a bit of a mad thing to do. But like Gianni Infantino, uh, he looks like he's sort of sick of all, these football, all this football. And he's on his phone the whole time. Yeah. You used to work in the menswear trade, Andy, didn't you? Mm, I did, and, yeah. Yeah. And uh, so you, you could pass comment on Jack Breedis's dad's uh, John Ball waistcoat and bow tie. Have you seen pictures of it? I haven't. I've read about it, but I haven't actually seen Union Jack waistcoat matching yeah. bow tie. Jack Very was nice, horrified yeah. when he saw his dad wearing it in the crowd. The mum, uh, his mum made dad take the bow tie off, but uh, he thinks it's now a lucky waistcoat. We're in Gareth. <laughs> well, 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 yes. And he's going to well, keep wearing it, much to but, Jack's disgust. But then he should be wearing a, a St. George's uh, waistcoat. Really. I know, he's, but he's gone Union Jack. Think. He's gone well, new fine. Yeah. He's got that wrong. Uh, talking of lucky mascots, uh, yeah. the son have described Chesney Hawks as England's lucky mascot. Yeah. And I was thinking the only thing lucky about this is Chesney getting all this attention. Because the son have really, like, they've ambushed him. They've yeah. really ambushed his success. They're flying him back after the gig. Harry Maine had a hug with him. Yeah. Uh, Chesney plans to invite him on stage. Not Harry Kane, but Harry Maine. Yes, it's great, isn't it? ridiculous it's it's yeah it's a who knows him it's going to be a couple of weeks they'll probably bring out a christmas version of the one and only they'll put some sleigh bells on it and then yeah hurry out a new version of that <laughs> john stones uh he has uh he's adopted dave the cat uh have you seen that he's been feeding the cat Ooh. and he's been getting a little bit of stick he's the cat man of uh of the souk and i think it's a lovely story apparently he's been getting a lot of stick from his teammates yeah, but uh, I think it's Tony the cat's called, is it? And he is no, it's Dave. Dave. The cat's oh, called Dave because the we had that thing Dave. with Charlie. Remember that letter somebody wrote in from Barnsley and said it should be called Tyke because yeah. he's a Barnsley lad, and well, he got all annoyed about it. Yeah, <laughs> it was That's last it, week. Yeah. yeah, that was it. Yeah, Dave the cat. So well done on John Stone mm. for being a cat lover. Take no notice of your teammates. You're doing all right. Um, uh, uh, yes, Karen Bennett at the World Cup. Are we missing Karen Bennett? Because she would have been fantastic had she been there. Mm. Uh, this is from Ali Ross. Uh, oh, he yeah. likes to look sometimes at the uh, the titles uh, for people that need subtitles all the time. Mm. That's quite a lot of fast typing during a football match. Oh, during I moment. know, I know Karen Bennett. Is yeah, Karen Bennett is Kareem Benzema. <laughs> of course it is. Yeah. And that's what happens when someone's well. typing it in quickly. They said, I think we're all really missing... Karen Bennett at this World Cup. So uh, <laughs> well, I think it we is are, a great really. shame that, uh, that Karen's not there. I enjoyed the Ghanaian MP that blamed Harry Maguire for the state of their economy. Yeah, fantastic. we may run this past Kwaku as well. He was just <laughs> drawing analogies about uh, the finance minister, which was all uh, a little bit odd. Uh, and unless you're a Liverpool fan or indeed a Uruguay fan, is there any finer sight in football than Luis Suarez crying? It was just, <laughs> just yeah. I took a great deal of, I shouldn't really, I took a great deal of pleasure from uh, after what had happened in the first game and his reaction to it all those years ago. Um, it was quite nice to see him there with his head in his shirt in tears. Is that yes. cool? No, well, not really, but <laughs> I, I, I can't share your joy because I had five quid on Uruguay at 40 to one. So I was really <laughs> hoping they were going to... I was quite annoyed that South Korea scored, basically. I mean, a career of... Uh, a lifetime of S-housery. And although, uh, you know, Ghana went out today, at least they had the joy of seeing uh, Suarez desperately upset. I mean, I yeah. would imagine they're going to have to play a few games behind closed doors. You can't stop manhandling the officials the way they did at the end. No, definitely I mean, not. They had a bit of a point, didn't they? Because the Cavani 
I mean, look, you've seen lesser penalties given. It would have been a soft one, and he made mm. the most of it. But you've seen lesser ones given. Had he given it, VAR wouldn't have overturned it. So, yeah, I was biased. I, yeah, I thought it was a penalty, but there you go. Um, there have been some strange ones today. What, what was the VAR in the uh, game was that? I've watched so many games. It was Ghana versus Uruguay. Yeah, the one that IU missed. Yes. It's a strange penalty as well, because he played well, he, for it. He bought the penalty, didn't no, he? he? Did. Yeah, he, went, he just went over the body. He thought, I'm yeah. not going to reach the ball, so I'll just get myself thrown over the body, which was a bit of a strange one. That's, uh, been, the, a, that's been the loser in this World Cup, because there's been some good football. I mean, yeah. You know, you're all right. You, you, the politics are the politics, and we've known about it for 12 years. But if, the football's been great, but the VAR, the decisions have been really poor. Yeah. You know? I think yesterday, the entire football world went mad. After the game last night, the Japan uh, game last night, we had a situation where lots and lots of people went outside and got some kind of decorators tape, put it on their kitchen floor, got a football, laid that on the floor as well, oh, then yeah. took that football from lots of different <laughs> angles and were saying, see? Oh, these people, are, these people are pathetic. But so First many of all, people did. There was thousands of people who did Because it. the one shot that you can see in all of their things is the ball is over clearly over the line. Yes, if you move the camera, it looks like it isn't over the line. But there's clear daylight. That's the one thing you can't fake, clear daylight between yeah. the ball and the goal. And also, it depends on what frame you take. If you take one frame earlier, it's definitely over the line. If you take the frame, that's why it's a load of old rubbish, really. Yeah. You, it's not helping. But the amount of partners of uh, football fans said, what, what are you looking for? What are you doing? Come and sit down. I'm just looking for some decorators tape. I'm just going to put it in the kitchen. Why have you got a football? Well, I'm going to take pictures of it from different angles. Then I'm going to put it on Twitter and say, see? And then, have you got anything better to do? I mean, rubbish, thousands and thousands of people did it. Uh, and after you'd seen about the 4,000th person did it, what's the point? Really? No point. Thank goodness we didn't have social media in 1966. Six. No, really disaster. It would have been a bit of a nightmare. Got anyway, two, oh, I've got, one, you got two, one time for one more. more. Yeah, Serb players. Uh, good day. He should move to Australia. He certainly and should. The goalie Vanya. I'm his nephew. Yes, he's my uncle Vanya. Thank yes, you. That's, that's, it. It. that's it. That's it. That's it. You can have some more later. Talk sport. Hawksby and Jacobs Daily World Cup podcast from Talk Sport. So tomorrow night, Argentina play Australia, and we thought we would preview that game now in the company of a man who has played international football for Australia. He played for Torquay and Chesterfield at the back, amongst other clubs, and he's currently one of the coaches uh, at Torquay with Gary Johnson. Um, we're joined by Aaron Downs. Good afternoon. Or good, sorry, I keep saying that. I keep thinking I'm working in the afternoon. Even though it's dark and we've been doing this for two weeks. Even though it's dark, I'm still saying. You spend 20 years working between one and four in the afternoon, you keep saying afternoon. But anyway, it's afternoon somewhere. Yes, yes. Uh, yeah, Aaron, um, that's one of the things we're going to talk about, of course, because we saw the crowds in in Fedsware in uh, Melbourne uh, going absolutely mad at three in the yeah. morning. And the game tomorrow against Argentina... It's going to be a similar sort of thing. It's going to be for some parts of Australia, three, four. Maybe if you're in Melbourne, it might be six or seven o'clock. But it's going to be an early start for Australian football fans. Yeah, absolutely. But you can see the enthusiasm that the Aussie fans had at three in the morning. <laughs> you know, it was a two o'clock kickoff. So it'll be six o'clock tonight. So it's a little bit easier for most of them. So I'm sure Federation Square will be packed out again. Um, but, you know, the enthusiasm was massive. And... They got their rewards in the end, you know, because the the result was fantastic. Got us through to the uh, to the knockout stages. Yeah, 
Now, Argentina haven't set the world alight so far. Of course, they've got Lionel Messi and they've got some great players. So what can Australia do? Can they take heart from Saudi Arabia, what they did? Uh, absolutely. I mean, you've seen over the last couple of days, it's sort of the, uh, I suppose the tournament for the underdogs a little bit. You know, there's so many upsets that's happened at the minute. Now, a few of them have happened late on where teams have changed and maybe they've qualified already and getting a few run out for a few uh, sort of players in their squad. But you can see that first game is massive and they usually play their best team and Saudi Arabia uh, deservedly won the game. So Australia can take heart. And, and one thing, um, I had a little chat with all of our friends, everybody's friend, the Moose, um, <laughs> before the tournament started. Uh, and we had, a, we had a conversation. I said, what you can expect from Australia is, is their, their attitude, their, their determination, their commitment. They... They never know when they're beat. You, we're going to be organised. Uh, mm. Arnie's going to get them organised and we're going to be committed and we won't give up. So even if we're 1-0 uh, down, you know, 10 minutes to go, you know we're going to stay in and hang on in there. And we work hard. We ran more than, than, than any other team in the games we've played. So that's what we've got. We've got a, a, an enthusiasm, an energy, a determination, a commitment, a team spirit, um, all the things that are needed for, for a for a, you know a team that might not have the stars of say Messi or Neymar or whatever, but they you know they could you could see them maybe getting their noses in front. And then all the pressures on Argentina, and we've seen as you said with Australia with Suter and stuff that you know they're de they're very well organised, decent at the back, and you could see as time went on if the goal wasn't coming, them getting ever more desperate. But I think I mean I think Australia probably do need to score first if they can. Yeah, but the, the biggest thing is just hanging on in there. You see against France, we, we scored really early and it was sort of, you know, it was sort of like we, we all got a little bit giddy, but it was because we scored so early, we're probably, our mentality was to try and hang on in there. Whereas at nil-nil, so I think that'll suit us more to hang on in there at nil-nil as long as we can. And then maybe, as you say, keep, sort of keep them sort of show a bit desperate and then we can catch, uh, catch them on the counter-attack. Yeah. Um, like we did the other night to, to get the 1-0 win. So <clears throat> I think keeping it 0-0 is probably a little bit better than going 1-0 up too early because mm -hmm. we would then just retain uh, a retreat and, and give up too much territory. And it'd be yeah. Too yeah, it's a lot of pressure on Argentina, a lot of pressure on Messi. Mm. He knows it's his last World Cup. And they've yeah. played like that. They've, a lot of the good teams have done that. Until yeah. they've scored, they've been nervous and hesitant. Once they get a goal, if they, get, if they score first, it could be difficult for Australia, I think. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. And but the biggest thing, like I said, is is for us just to hang on in there as long as possible. Even at one nil, there's still a chance of taking it longer and into the match. And the stadium, uh, we qualified at that stadium um, for the World Cup against Peru um, in a penalty shootout. Uh, so all I'm saying is that we keep it's like in a home hang, game. Hang on, <laughs> you never know because what we do is we'll bring on Andy Redman um, late on in the extra time and. He's a little bit of a penalty specialist, so mm. we've got that up our sleeve. Yeah, of course. I mean, oh, yeah, people course saw it, yeah, what he did in, that, yeah. in qualifying. You know, he's quite a character, isn't he? I mean, it'd be nice <laughs> if he gets a little cameo in a penalty shootout where he's dancing on the line. That would be fantastic. Yeah, add a bit of drama to the tournament, that's for sure. Yeah. So what's it been like? There's obviously games are continuing. You're, uh, we're chatting to you now. You've got Dagenham Redbridge tomorrow, Torquay. Mm -hmm. And so has it been odd? Has it been hard to sort of focus and for the players at times? To, you know, you've got to kind of get on with the bread and butter of your league football in the National League, yet there's a World Cup going on. <laughs> it is a little bit surreal. It's sort of, 
you know, you, you, you'll be watching, I don't know, Brazil, Cameroon, and at the same time, you've got Dagenham South End on your iPad, sort of, you know, so it's, <laughs> trying to do your research at the same time and uh, trying to watch the, the World Cup games. But, you know, it's, it's never a problem. You're watching football matches, you love it. So it's been good. It's been great to have it. It's been different having it in the winter. We've not been able to sort of relax and, you know, and, and watch it with friends. You're sort of watching it as and when you can, really, because there's a lot of games on, especially at 10 o'clock. So the lads are getting in. Um, in the morning when we had the 10 o'clock games and there was there was moments I'd be up on the training ground and I'd be looking at me watch going where, where is everyone and the gaffer's got them all down in watching the game and I'm like I come back down where is everyone and he's like oh it was a good start to the game down here. so uh, <laughs> it's like we'll wait till half time shall we oh, okay no worries so um, but it's it, it's been good it's been good you know but it is difficult trying to make you know manage make sure you're, you're still doing your job but at the same time watching the games because you know, we all grew up watching the World Cup. You've still got that, you know, desire to watch every game possible. And there's a lot of games on. So it's, uh, but it's been good. I've really enjoyed it. And what's been really good is the last couple of nights, the drama that every night's bringing with the group stage is coming to an end. It'd be terrible if they changed it to the three-team uh, group oh, stage. Yes. Themselves. Oh, they'll find a way of ruining. As somebody who doesn't have VAR at your level, <laughs> you must be yeah. so grateful. What have you made of that? It's... It's, it's baffling at times because a lot of decisions, I mean, the clear-cut ones like goal line technology's um, been great until the other night when we have a, a, another anomaly that we need to all probably look at as far as going out on the byline. But I mean, goal line, uh, uh, VAR is still, it's subjective. It's somebody's opinion at the end of the day. Mm. Uh, so it's not really cleared anything up. It's just allowed somebody to look at it a little bit slower and go, you know. That's <laughs> what I think. I think. Yeah. yeah, I think this. Well, it's all. All right. Well, so it's everybody's opinion at the end of the day. So it's still never going to clear up, really. It delays the game at times. The, the clear cut, the really clear, obvious errors, it's good for. You know, it, it does stop them, you know. But you'd like to think nowadays, I think in general, the refereeing's been OK. I think the VAR spoiled some mm. good refereeing decisions myself. Yeah. But, um, but you know, we don't have to deal with that. So uh, I'm thankful of that. And finally, it's going to be difficult for you to watch the game because if you're going back, down to Torquay from uh, Dagenham after the match. Uh, it's kicking off at uh, seven o'clock. So you'll be watching on the coach, I take it. Right? Yeah, yeah, we'll be watching the coach. We'll probably end up at my stop around kickoff time. So it was a little bit, you know, we, we moved all these games have been moved around because you know, they weren't sure where England was going to finish and they were trying to make sure they didn't coincide with England games. And in the end, we got a 12.30 kickoff for no real reason. And I'm going to end up <laughs> clashing with the Australian game. But uh, but no, whatever whatever happens, I'll definitely be watching it somewhere. And whether it's on the iPad on the coach or stopping in a services and for an hour and a half watching it, I don't know. But I'll definitely get to watch it, that's for sure. And uh, really looking forward to it. Good stuff. Well, Aaron, uh, good luck against uh, Dagenham and Redbridge tomorrow. Thanks for joining us. We appreciate it. No, thanks, guys. Thanks for having me on. And, uh, of course, they're playing Argentina. And uh, it was a brilliant star burst in the Daily Star today, which I don't get because I don't know who this person is. But apparently, uh, and I'm not making this, Miss Bum Bum, Susie Cortez, reckons Messi's penalty miss means Argentina will win the Cup, as they did in 1978 and 1986 after fluffing penalties. Who's Miss Bum Bum Susie Cortez? Have you heard of her? Is she Argentinian or? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> there was no reference to it. That was it. That was what appeared in the paper, you think. Isn't oh, well, OK, as long as she thinks that. Isn't that a kind of Brazilian beauty pageant that they've had over the years? I think it's been on, it's been on the telly. And we've t I think we've probably talked about it in it. 2014. <laughs>
<laughs> but anyway, I, I don't know why I remembered that. Oh, yeah, I wonder why. So there I we did. are, Miss Bum Bum. There, I've got to look her up now. I should have done that before. Yeah, okay. <laughs> I bet you have. <laughs> Hold on, yeah, she's in my history. Here we go. <laughs> she's in my history. <laughs> oh, oh, she is. She didn't have to look long. I think she's Argentinian. She's oh, yeah, right, Paul. Miss Bum Bum is an annual beauty pageant held in Brazil to reward the owner of the best buttocks in the country. Wow. I well, praise indeed. Yeah. <laughs> this podcast just reached a new low. <laughs> well, no, you're just, you know, we, we haven't organized. We're not the Eric Morley in this situation. We're just reporting it. <laughs> there we are. Here we go. Hawksby and Jacobs Daily World Cup Podcast from TalkSport. TalkSport. A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive in June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive in June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Jacobs Daily World Cup podcast from Talksport. Talksport. Well, we turn then to uh, the African nations. I mean, any African nations qualified for the next stage at the last World Cup, but uh, this time around, of course, we have Morocco and Senegal, and we had uh, good performances, a, a, a shot win, but I'm sure it'll go down incredibly well in Cameroon, that victory over Brazil. It doesn't matter who Brazil put out to go and beat them in the World Cup is a fantastic result. And uh, Ghana gave a good account of themselves at the World Cup as well. So here to chat about that, man we turned to during the African Cup of Nations on African football, a regular voice uh, on the warm-up, of course. Uh, Kwaku Afari joins us. Kwaku, hi, how are you doing? I'm good, guys. How are you getting on? Yeah, yeah we're not good, too thanks. bad. We, so we know from AFCON that, that Ghana are, are your team and um, it wasn't to be today. What did you make of their World Cup overall? Yeah, it wasn't. And it was almost all geared to, to the fixture against Uruguay. Um, 
revenge 12 years in the making. We all remember Luis Suarez's handball on the line in South Africa, uh, which denied Ghana a spot in the World Cup semi-final. And if you ask any Ghanaians, they were looking forward to this game more than any other. Um, and it, it just wasn't to be for Ghana. They, they put on a good show in, during this World Cup. Uh, previous to the Uruguay game, they were involved in two five-goal thrillers. Um, and they knew that getting a draw would probably be enough in the Uruguay game, but obviously going out there for the win, it just didn't make it happen. Unfortunately and ironically, it was a down to another missed penalty. Mm. Um, this time, Andre Ayew uh, missed a penalty in the first half and Uruguay kind of built from there, took a two-goal lead and Ghana really, really in truth, if I'm being honest, went out with a whimper. If yeah. you look at the way that some of the other African teams have gone out in their final group game. They've really gone given a good account for themselves. And Ghana, towards their back end of the game against Uruguay, in which they lost 2-0, they were almost more than happy to just see out the game, which meant that Uruguay wouldn't go through as opposed to actually go and try and get a draw themselves. So it's unfortunate for Ghana that they, they had to end like this, especially against their biggest rivals in this tournament, which is weirdly a cross-continent rival. Mm. Um, but they did give it a good account for themselves. They did. I felt a bit for Ayu because in this World Cup, because of the VAR, because of the time it takes, yeah. how long have these penalty takers had to wait? It's not surprising that we're seeing penalties missed. Yeah, no, you're completely right. And then we saw um, the Uruguayans up to up to some tricks with the penalty spot, trying to scuff up the penalty spot. <laughs> yeah, so Darwin knew, Darwin knew they put for that. <laughs> I was screaming at my TV. Um, and, and you're right. You're completely right, Andy. It's from when the penalty was given to when IU actually took the penalty it was about three, three or four minutes. And mm. that gives the penalty taker a lot of time to think. But if you heard Luis Suarez in the pre-match build-up, uh, when he was asked about the penalty, he's, he basically said that he did what he did and it was up to Asmo Jan in that case in 2010 to score the penalty. You, as a penalty taker, you've got the advantage and it was a poor penalty, for being completely honest, mm -hmm. from Andre Ayew. And it means that Ghana missed out on the round 16. Now, even before the, the Cameroon-Brazil game tonight, uh, I heard one of the commentators saying that the, it was the most wins for African nations in any World Cup. And we've seen two go through, of course, in uh, Senegal, and Morocco, and uh, there's going to be a special focus on Senegal because they're playing England. I mean, they were they were a bit hamstrung at the start by lose, losing Mane. Now they've lost um, Gay as well, haven't they? With uh, with that uh, booking suspension, yeah, yeah, it's going to be a, and uh, it's going to be a, a big blow. That I think he's, he's very important to them. He is very, very important to them. It's interesting because you see a lot of times with these African nations, um, these players like Idris Gay, who we know for his time at Everton and PSG is a defensive midfielder. He plays a little bit more advanced for Senegal. Um, obviously, he would have probably retracted a little bit for uh, against England. Ali Uissé would have had to maybe play a little bit more pragmatically than Senegal will have in this uh, in this tournament. But it's a huge blow for them. Like you said, Mane, Mane missing um, from the beginning of the tournament has been a huge miss for them as well. They've lacked that focal point of that player can get them the goals in the crucial times. Um, and they, they got out of the group in impressive fashion, especially how it started losing against the Netherlands. But I just think against England, the lack of firepower and like you said, the, the missing Dresdegea is going to be almost too much and a hurdle too far for yeah. the Senegal team. It's very interesting because I don't know if you remember, we probably do from the last World Cup when uh, Croatia fed on the fact that England had, were saying football's coming home and they built. El Hajj Juf has been doing something quite similar for Senegal. He's accused England of believing they've already beaten Senegal and warned it could lead to another famous victory. It's so funny because I can't think of anybody in the England camp thinks this is an easy game. I can't imagine they do or they think they're through. This is a tough game. 
this is a very tough game. And it reminds me of England versus Colombia um, in 2018, mm. uh, the round 16 game, which England won on penalties. I think this game could go a similar way in terms of it might not be decided in 90 minutes. Senegal, if you look at their centre-back partnership, Kaladu Koulibaly, who's who's really performed for them, he's their rocky, their leader, and he's formed a, a really nice centre-back partnership with Abdou Diallo, um, who plays his football for Leipzig. He's on loan from PSG. Um, so they're really defensively solid. Um, so it's going to be difficult for England to break them down. We know how deep Harry Kane likes to drop. Um, and we expect Senegal to pack out the midfield and make life very, very difficult for England and then attempt to hit them on the counter-attack. Ishmael Assar has been the man they've turned to to kind of shoulder the attacking burden now that Mane's out. So watch out for him on the left-hand side. He could really cause some problems uh, for whatever right-back Gareth Southgate decides to pick. And if he does beat his man, then he's up against Harry Maguire, who's had some problems with tricky wingers uh, in the Premier League. So that's definitely something to look out for, Schmelzer's pace and directness in behind, because they can try and catch England on the counter-attack. Yeah, I do I think... think that... Oh, sorry, I was going to say... Gonna say it, the, the, things that, the things that worry me are the fact that they will get into England, they'll close them down, they'll harry them, and they'll, you know, they could force them into mistakes. And, and, you know, possibly pick up a goal in that way because England can have a rick in them now and again. And the other thing is penalties, Quaker, because their record in penalty shootouts recently has been really good, isn't it? And, like, you know, they've had, a, they've had a decent success rate. I mean, they've beaten Egypt in a couple, haven't they, in recent years? Yeah, so that's, that's, how they, that's how they won the AFCON title, beating Egypt on penalties. They've got a strong keeper in Edouard Mendy who had a shaky start to the tournament against Netherlands where he was at fault for both of their goals, to be honest. Um, but he made a comeback in the games against Qatar and Ecuador and made a few key saves for them. And he's going to be very, very important for them. And if they can take his penalties, they'll fancy their chances. Um, they know the pressure will be on England. Everybody um, in England is expecting that to not be a walkover, but expecting England to win that game. Mm. So the, the pressure we piled on England, and Aliou Cisse has been very, very tactically astute throughout the whole tournament in terms of changing up his team um, and ensuring that his players are geared and set and prepped for the opposition they're playing. So it's not going to be a walk in the park, but I do think that without that player that's going to put the ball in the back of the net, it's going to be a little bit of a struggle for Senegal against England. Now we should move on to Morocco, Spain, because... You know, beating Belgium and Croatia in their group, they're going to go into this confident. Again, they're not yeah. expected to get a result against Spain. But they've looked, whenever I've watched them, they've looked really decent. I, I, you know, maybe this is going to be a tougher game. See, than it's about 10 times better than it is for Chelsea. Yeah, it's been great, <laughs> hasn't it? All, all these Chelsea players that are turning up in the World Cup, Kai Havertz getting the brace the other day, Ziyech turning up. Uh, Koulibaly and Mendy performing. but Kovacic was great it. yesterday, yeah. Kovacic as well. But when they put on a blue shirt and they play at Stanford Bridge, they seem to fall apart. Pulisic <laughs> as well. Um, but yeah, Morocco have been really, really impressive. Um, probably the most impressive African side uh, in this tournament. It's based on defensive solidity. Uh, if you look at their back four, Masraoui, who plays for Bayern Munich and he's featured heavily this season. Roman Saiz, who who Wolves fans will remember well. He now plays football for Besiktas. Uh, Naima Gued, who West Ham signed for 30 million in the summer. And Ashraf Hakimi, who plays PSG and is one of the best right-backs in the world. So it's mm. based on being solid defensively and then relying on the mercurial talents of Hakim Ziyech, who is a, a man, he's rejuvenated, really. Yeah. He was on a, a kind of self-imposed exile after falling out with a previous head coach. Um, and if you look at him in this tournament, he looks like a completely different player. He's got all the confidence in the world. And they will fancy themselves against Spain. I do feel sorry for them. They finished top of their group and you're probably expecting a slightly easier game in the, in the round of 16. But the way the re results have fallen, they've drawn Spain. But they will go into this game with full confidence because they 
know they can defend and they've got some attacking players that can cause Spain some real problems. Yeah, I think they can beat Spain, I do. Yeah, should be good. Excellent. Quake, you really appreciate that. Thanks ever so much for joining us. Enjoy the games. Nice one, guys. Take it easy. Hawksby and Jacobs Daily World Cup Podcast from TalkSport. TalkSport. Well, let's turn then to uh, England in the big game on Sunday, having uh, looked at the threat that Senegal pose. Uh, all the talk is of the uh, first 11, Sarath, uh, Sarath Gouthgate. <laughs> very I like him. He's very, he's very, very good. good old Sarath Gouthgate. Uh, yes, the Gareth Southgate will put out and uh, whether he should stick with a team that... Uh, did so well. Should Rashford keep his place? Let's have a chat with a man we've been uh, talking England with throughout the last few weeks. Uh, Dom Smith joins us from England fans. Oh, good afternoon. Oh, I've done it again. Uh, good evening, Dom. <laughs> evening, gentlemen. How are you? Yes, Not good, too bad. Thank you. I know, look, I know it's dark outside, but, you know, it's just muscle memory. Yes. Yeah. So let's ask you, it's a simple question, really. What do you think he's going to do? How do you think, do you think he's going to make many changes or any changes? Or, and will he change formation? Well, I mean, the under, understandable opinion from most England fans now will be that they want to see Rashford and Foden again. Hmm. Um, you know, the, the thing is with England is that there's such an embarrassment of riches in the wide areas that you kind of whoever has performed like most recently well is, is the players that we want to see again. But um, I would expect him to to follow kind of what you'd what you'd have expected him to do before the Wales game, knowing that Rashford and Foden were playing, mm. and I think he will go back to Bakayo Saka and Raheem Sterling. And actually, I, I would say that's what he probably ought to do as well. That's what I would do if I were in his, his position. Really? And what about uh, would it be Foden for Mount? Would you see him there or Madison? Where, where do you see, or do you think he'll go back to Mount? I think he might actually, I think the one thing that we've taken from the Wales game that I think actually he might stick with is the midfield that played in that, in that game. I think the, I think Rice um, with two kind of um, roaming eights ahead of him being um, Jude Bellingham and, and Jordan Henderson actually worked quite well. And I actually think he might repeat that. Um, I'm not sure that's, I'm not sure that's going to go down too badly actually, because I'm not, I'm not convinced England fans overall as a, as a mass are, are particularly sold on Mason Mount, actually. He's obviously a more attacking player than, than Jordan Henderson. And therefore you'd, you know, you'd expect kind of the Twitter sphere to find him more exciting, but Henderson is, is maybe a player of a slightly higher pedigree than, than Mason Mount potentially, but well, also a much more experienced player, you know, much different player. Yeah. You're right. Mount, I think Mount's an attacker. I don't see him as a midfielder at all. No, no, I agree. Um, and so that's why I think um, in the latter stages now, if he's going to play a midfield three and he's going to stick with four at the back, then I think his midfield three might become Rice, um, Henderson and, uh, and Bellingham. I think if he, if he genuinely saw Phillips as being not fit enough, but, but having, having played enough game time this season to genuinely challenge, um, then he would have played Phillips from the start rather than Henderson. Given that Henderson started that Wales game and, and Phillips only came on late on for his first minutes of the tournament, I think we can consider Calvin Phillips not really a, a, a serious rival to take Mason Mount's um, place. But I think that Jordan Henderson is a genuine rival and I actually think we might see him again. Also, the way he is on the pitch, we've all heard it. You can hear him. He's yeah. like the manager of the pitch. So, yeah, you can see why he likes it. And in a game where, you know, there will be pressure on England, certainly. Uh, you, you're going to need you're going to need some cool heads out there. Um, 
Uh, there's been a few people suggesting, Dom, that Harry Kane shouldn't play as he hasn't scored yet. Uh, they seem to have forgotten that assist for Foden out of absolutely nowhere. Well, they seem to have forgotten the, his last six, seven years yeah. there, haven't they? <laughs> I mean, I, I do find it staggering. Obviously, I've, you know, I'm, I'm biased, but I do find it staggering. There's a lot of people out there that don't think he's worthy of a start. Harry Kane is not a conventional striker. <laughs> If you think he's worth comparing to someone like Erling Haaland, who really is a player who finishes off chances and, and, and does, I'll be honest, you know, very little else besides that, you know, you're kidding yourself. He's involved in so much of England's attacks. And, and over the Southgate era, there has been a, a real dearth of, of truly good midfield options. You know, England have got a few good midfielders now. They've got Declan Rice, they've got Jude Bellingham. But have they had kind of um, cultured Spanish-style midfielders throughout Southgate's reign. No, I think it's fair to say they haven't. And Kane has utilised that ability to, to drop back, to spray passes wide, to um, all manner of different um, profile of attackers out wide, and he's done it to great effect. I mean, if I can take the most famous goal of Southgate's era is the goal which Luke Shaw scored less than two minutes into the Euros final. That happened because Kane dropped back played wide to Trippier, England went on and scored and were ahead in a, in a major final less than two minutes into the game. Mm. Um, look, Harry Kane, if you think that Harry Kane hasn't contributed this, this tournament, you're wrong. You know, he's, he's assisted three of England's goals. That's, that's a third of the goals that England has scored in this tournament so far. And, the, you know, also, it, it, might be, it might be tempting to suggest a change, but you should only change anyone um, on a football pitch if you've got a better option to come in. And I'm, listen, Calvin, uh, Calvin, uh, sorry, Callum Wilson is in good form hmm. and came into the tournament in good form. But is he a better option than Harry Kane? I mean, of course he's not. You, ha you have to stick with, with Kane. No, I, I completely agree. Well, Dom, what, what do you think? You want to give us a score prediction? Uh, okay, I will go with... 2-0, not a particularly inspiring performance, but a professional one. Maybe in the mould of England's win over Sweden at the 2018 World Cup in the quarterfinals. That, that, that sort of a win. Yeah. Um, I don't see it, you know, I understand the temptation to say, oh, it's, it's going to go to extra time and penalties. Just because we're into that sort of, yeah, that part of the tournament that it could now, that doesn't mean that it will. I think Senegal are, you know, they're a good side, but they're a beatable side. They're going to be without Idrissa Gay and obviously Sadio Mane, who's injured for the entire tournament. So mm. I think England have got more than enough to get through. And I, I would say 2-0 probably. Yeah, and Kuati as well, who looks like he's not going to play. So that's three big players for them. So, uh, no, I, 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 I think that's a, a pretty sensible prediction. We hope you're right. Dom, thank you very much, as always. Thanks for joining us. Thank you very much. There we are, Dom Smith there from englandfootball.org. So, Andy, before we go, um, let's have a look at tomorrow's games. We start at uh, three o'clock with uh, the Netherlands versus the United States. Mm, I don't, I, the whole Netherlands haven't been great, have they? They've no. been getting away with it a bit. I quite fancy America in that. I think they, they'll surprise a few. Yeah. Obviously, it depends on Pulisic if he's going to be 100%. But... Yeah, that's right. You know what? I think this could be a long old game. I think this could be an extra time and pens job. I mean, you're right. Apart from sort of Gakpo, they don't look that dangerous going forward. Yeah, so probably. I think we could be in for a lot. I think there could be one each and pens. So uh, that should be interesting. And then in the evening, it is uh, Argentina versus Australia. And though we've, we chatted to Aaron and said, you know, if they could nick a goal, put the pressure on Argentina, you just feel they're going to have a bit too much for them, aren't they, really? I think so. I think Argentina will win that. Yeah. 
Well, and then uh, on Sunday, uh, we'll be back with you on uh, Sunday after the England game, before uh, before England play Senegal at seven. We've got France-Poland at three. And, uh, yeah, I mean, bear, I, I cannot see Poland suddenly starting to turn it on. They've been, they've been pretty terrible so far. <laughs> they've limped right through to this stage, and I think they could get a bit of a kicking by France, actually. Not unless there's a Polish version of Chesney Hawks. Yeah, well, maybe there is. A one-hit wonder from Warsaw or something. I don't know, possibly. All right, then, look, we'll be back on um, Sunday after the England game to pour over that uh, performance and indeed all the other games over the week. And we do hope you can join us then. Just a reminder that the Clips of the Week podcast uh, also dropped today. So uh, we did a fresh one for you. That's podcast only right now. So... If you want to go and check out the clips of the week, you can find it wherever you found this podcast. So until Sunday night, enjoy all the football, especially England, Senegal, and we'll catch up with you then. Hawksby and Jacobs Daily World Cup Podcast from Talksport. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80 percent less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up Quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. That's Quince.com slash upgrade. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.